Hello and welcome to Vintage Rock Pod Side 2, the weekly classic rock magazine-style podcast that comes out every Friday. I'm Paul Stevenson, thanks as always for hitting play. Now this is the first episode of Side 2, it's the companion show to Vintage Rock Pod that comes out every Monday and it has a big name classic rock star interview on every single week. Now, on side two, I'm going to bring you lots of different classic rock content. It'll vary each week, and it's going to include things like the news, quizzes, interviews, reviews, competitions, and much more with lots of different people involved. If this is the first time you've checked out any of the Vintage Rock Pod episodes, then please look back through the catalogue. There's some incredible big-name guests interviewed so far, including six Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Grammy Award winners, and multi-platinum selling artists from bands like Deep Purple and Diastrophe. Straits and Genesis, Yes, Scorpions, The Who, Nazareth, we've got mods, we've got punks, we've got heavy metal people, you name it, we've spoken to them. And on this week's episode, released on Monday, it features an interview with Jim Peterick, formerly of the band Survivor. Now here's a really short clip of some of the things he had to say in the interview. We're on the road that year, the summer of 1970, with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, The Grateful Dead, oh, Led Zeppelin. Partied with Led Zeppelin. How can you forget? So very tentatively, I, I dialed the 213 area code, and uh, I said, um, this is Jim Peter, is this really Sylvester Stallone? He goes, hey, Jimbo, call me Sly. <laughs> and I was so depressed. We were on the road, and I, I just was playing the blues. And the guys were going, come on, snap <laughs> out of it, Jim. You, you know, if, if America was run as well as the Ides of March, it would be a great country. <laughs> Maybe the four of you should run for president. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we're thinking of it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, I was supposed to be on that plane, and uh, I wasn't able to go that weekend to those shows. And a few days later, we found out that that plane had gone down. You know so much about me, I can, more than I know. He really has had such an incredible life, honestly. I mean, he had a hit in the US at 15 years old. He was partying with Led Zeppelin at 19. He had a brush with death. He wrote Eye of the Tiger and so much more. So check it out if you haven't done so already. But back to today's show now. Live music is coming back. Yes, hurrah. Life is slowly, very slowly starting to get back to somewhere like normal. And on today's show, I speak to Chris Sumby. He's an organiser of a rock festival here in the UK about organising a festival during the pandemic. It can't be easy. We've also got a classic rock fan from America, Milwaukee, in fact, to get a concert goer's perspective. He's bought his first concert tickets in over a year to see a big British act touring in the US. And we've also got the latest rock news too with our good friend, music journalist with Record Collector Magazine and Universal Music, Tim Peacock. So plenty to come on today's show. So let's start with the Stone Dead Festival. It was cancelled last year, like everything else, and this year's event is the third one so it's a pretty new festival really in the UK calendar but it's had some incredible bands play in recent years just likes of uh, Diamond Head, Skid Row, Graham Bonnet the former Rainbow frontman and Alcatraz singer just to name but a few this year's festival is headlined by Black Star Riders which includes obviously Ricky Warwick from The Almighty and Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy also on the bill is Gunn, who had big hits with Better Days and their brilliant cover of Word Up. Terravision are performing, Blaze Bailey, the former Iron Maiden lead singer, is there, and Tigers of Pantang, who released a load of albums in the 80s before reuniting again in the 2000s to carry on performing. So it's a great lineup. The date for this is the 28th of August, and tickets, get this, with camping, are just 60 quid. 
That's all it is. So I spoke with the festival production manager Chris Sumby to get a lowdown on the event and what it's like organising all this during a pandemic. I'm delighted to welcome to Vintage Rock Pod a man who's helped to organise a fantastic looking rock festival here in the UK. And uh, under these COVID conditions, it's very, very difficult to understand what's going on. So the best thing to do is ask this man himself. It is Chris Sumby from the Stone Dead Festival. Hi, Chris. Hello, boys and girls. Hope you're all fitting well, staying safe. Absolutely. That's the, the name of the day, isn't it, right now? Staying safe. But uh, So, yeah, Stone Dead, give us a little bit of an outline, a brief history of the festival. Um, well, the, the festival came about from a, a chat on a Facebook group, which was set up in memory of the Monsters of Rock Festival at Donington Park, which I'm sure a few of your listeners, um, viewers and everything else. Yeah, legendary. Went, went, went to from 1980 to 1996. The idea had popped up quite a few times of people saying it would be great to do a festival like One Day, One Stage, a classic rock stroke metal festival. Um, so that kind of was born in June 2017. And then um, we slowly, slowly started putting the, the event together with uh, tickets going on sale. The lineup slowly taking shape with massive wagons, Graham Bonnet and Crow Molly first. Wow. Uh, we then added Choir Boys and Skid Rose, the headliner for the first year. And then as a special guest, Wolfsbane. After a very slow start, the momentum started building really quickly. We did really well first year in terms of ticket sales. We, we surpassed mm-hmm. a lot of people's expectations of us. A lot of people didn't think we'd get past the first hurdle. They thought we'd maybe pull in sort of two, 300 people the first year. But we did really well. We were close to 2,000 through the kids the first year. So that gave us a really, really good um, step up for 2019 where we had Glenn Hughes in Glorious, Phil Campbell, Weirwood Sons, uh, Diamond Head, Amorettes. For the people who were there the second year, you'll, you'll remember when Diamond Head came on stage and they did Am I Evil? <laughs> Just as the, the guitar solos were kicking in, we had a, a, a flyby, uh, which was amazingly well-timed. That should have actually happened during the Amorettes, <laughs> but it was a little bit delayed. So and it came over just as Diamond Head were concluding their set and it was just absolutely magical. If you go on YouTube, there's a video clip, Diamond Head, Am I Evil? And you'll see it Brilliant. going past. And that really kind of gave us the foundation as to where we're at now with the, the lineup we have for 2020, Black Star Riders, mm-hmm. Terrorvision Gun, Heat, Chris Barris plays doing his maiden sets, uh, Tiger Pantang, Mike Gray, and the, the uh, Dead Man's Whiskey who won the opening poll for that year. So that's brought us up to date. We, we announced the sellout for 2021 uh, three, four weeks ago. We'll put another 300 tickets on sale because of that. They're almost sold out. So... Fingers crossed, we'll be going into August, sold out, ready to welcome everybody through the gates at Newark for what will hopefully be a fantastically sunny day. Lots of cheap, well-priced beer, well-priced food, and everyone's ready for a massive party in August, so I can't wait myself. Absolutely, it's fantastic just to, to even be talking about live music after the year that we've had. Now, how difficult has has it been for you as, as an organiser of a festival like this then to, to try and plan ahead? Because you don't know what's going on with the government, you don't know what the, the guidelines are going to be, you don't know what steps are going to happen. So how have you managed to put something like this together? This year was to be honest, come I think last June, when we got I think towards the end of June, we knew that we were very, very unlikely to go ahead that year. So we'd already mm-hmm. put out the fields for the bands to say, look, there's a good chance we're going to have to roll over. I just got to come with us. They all said yes. And then we obviously announced that we were postponing on the 4th of July. 99% of people rolled their tickets over. So that was a huge weight off our shoulders because it's all about the money at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, we've been following other events very closely, the likes of Bloodstock, um, Steelhouse, Rambling Man, and how they'd sort of got through their postponement. And speaking to their organisers, and they said, you know, 
we've retained 98% of our, our ticket holders, so I don't think you've got anything to worry about. But there's always that little bit of doubt in your mind that you're, <laughs> you're going to be the one where sort of, you know, a thousand people want the money back, you know. But fortunately, it was a couple of dozen people said, come up, have our money back, which we, we did within 14 days. And the most of them have actually bought the tickets again because they, they don't want to miss out once, you know, because they will sell out. <laughs> um, but obviously with COVID, it was a very difficult year for everybody in the whole industry. I mean, you'll have spoke to bands yourself, um, people who, promoters and um, people who are associated with the industry. Seeing bands who had tours pulled and everything which is associated with that, the likes of the, the crew, um, venues having to sort of close the doors, it's been a horrendously bad knock-on effect for everyone. It's like a, a domino rally. Um, yeah. And hopefully now things are starting to open up and the, there's, there's a light coming over the hill, which will hopefully be a blazing sunshine come June the 21st, when things will hopefully open back up and, and get back into sales, back into venues, bands can get back on stage, and then the live music scene can start getting going again and then thrive, because I think once everything is back, going full pelt, it's going to be a very, very busy couple of years with live music. So, boys and girls, if you're listening, save your pocket money because there's going to be lots of gigs coming up. <laughs> oh, I tell you, what, that's a stirring, rousing speech. You've got me going here, Chris. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> one thing that, that that got me speaking to you, that that got me to get in touch with you rather, was the the fact that you've got this amazing community built up on social media, especially on Facebook. That's the one I'm following. And uh, considering you are a fairly young festival, you've got this amazing sort of following that all rally around each other. I've seen what's going on with the T-shirts and all sort of football shirts are going on as well. And then there's all this chat and then there seems to be this little um, phrase as well, I'll meet you at the bar and everyone says it. And it, it's just this fantastic little community that you've got, you've built up so quickly. It's fantastic. I'll see you at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the Facebook group we've got is unbelievable. A lot of people in that group had never met the majority of everyone else in the group until we opened the gates at Newark in 2018. And now, we've, because of that, there's a lot of people who've got new best friends for life. There's people who have, have, have since become good friends. There's been relationships blossomed. Um, I don't think we've had any kids from it yet, but, um, <laughs> you know, give, give, give it time. We know that the, the community spirit we've got is unbelievable, especially when last year we went into lockdown and, you know, we, we did T-shirts for um, Rock and the Lockdown, which the idea was that the proceeds went into a pot for NHS and key workers. And we did a, a bundle of free tickets for those if they, if they wanted them, you know, people who that had a, a, a loss of income and, and they couldn't afford to, to, to get gig tickets and stuff like that. So we did a, a pot of tickets for those. Um, yeah, we did uh, we did a thing with Muscle Wagons in it together. And uh, we, we got like a, a load of photos of people who, who've been working through COVID, uh, like nurses, um, key workers, bus drivers, everybody who put a shift in over, over COVID. And basically that was our, our way of saying, thank you very much for what you're doing. And it's because of you, people, is the reason why we'll be doing what we're doing, hopefully next year. Um, so, yeah, the community vibe we've got with Stone Deaf, Stone Dead, is it's very special. And um, it puts a little bit of pressure on our shoulders to make sure that what we're doing is the very best we can do for those people. Um, because they're investing their £50 on us to put a show on. And it's not just a show. It's a weekend they're looking forward to. For a lot of people, it's it could be their holiday for the year. What we do is to try to make it you know, the, the best experience we possibly can, we'll try to keep the beer price down, yep. the food prices down. Um, we've spent thousands of pounds on toilets for, for this year just to make sure that people are happy about the toilets, you know, um, because as someone who's gone to gigs for years and years and years and festivals and you pay, you, you pay 150 quid for a festival ticket 
And then when you're there, you're kind of getting your eyes torn out for, for food, for beer, <laughs> for the merchandise. We don't want to do that. We just want people to enjoy the, the experience and, and not feel sort of they have to take a mortgage out to do it. Uh, which will keep the merchandise prices down as well. Uh, we charge 20 quid a T-shirt. Uh, when you go to a lot of gigs now, it's 30, 35 pound a shirt. So, you know, we're, we're very we're conscious as being fans ourselves that we want fans to feel part of the event, but we also want them to feel that, you know, we're not sort of taking liberties with their wallet. And so far, so good. It's working. People understand and appreciate what we're doing. And hopefully that's going to continue for many years to come. Absolutely, and you, you touched on, on the prices. I mean, even the, the ticket prices themselves are really, really cheap when you think of what you're getting and, and the price of some other festivals too, so it is absolutely tremendous. Now, you, you mentioned that you, you almost sold out. There must be a handful of tickets left. If anybody wants to, to get a ticket now or they want to find out more information, what's the best way of doing that, Chris? If we go to www.stonedeadfestival.co.uk, all the information's there. The, the, there's literally about 50 tickets left before we're sold out. Um, it's It's going to be a fantastic weekend and hopefully if you haven't got your tickets this is going to maybe sort of like tip you over the edge and think right that's it I want to spend a weekend in Newark uh, just if you do fancy it on the Friday night we've also got massive uh, we've got massive V Rocks Cats in Space and Wayward Sons doing a little bit of a pre-show party so for your camping ticket you get that included for free you know so you're getting the, the, the Friday night Saturday and uh, two nights camping and you're getting that little bit of a bonus night on, on the Friday for absolutely nothing. Incredible stuff. Yorkshire Incredible. price. <laughs> Yorkshire price indeed. Chris, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and I wish you the best of luck for the festival. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Cheers. Thank you very much. Well worth checking that out. Stonedeadfestival.co.uk. See if you can get hold of the last few tickets for what is going to be a fantastic event. So, from concert organiser to a concert goer, and we're crossing the big pond to speak to Joe in Milwaukee in the US, who is a big, big concert fan, regularly attending many, many concerts every single year. Now, I noticed a Twitter post of his this week, which said he'd bought his first concert tickets for over a year. So I thought, you know what? Let's get him on the show to talk concerts. Hey Joseph, how are you? Hello Paul, I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you, my man. Good man, good man. Now, I was delighted to see you post on social media that you'd bought concert tickets for the first time in over a year. Yes, life's kind of getting back to normal, isn't it? But as a brief background then, gigs are a big part of your life, right? Yes, concerts are a huge part of my life. It's my favorite and, of course, most expensive habit. <laughs> I like to point out that uh, one of the only silver linings of this year with no concerts is that uh, my bank account has not taken nearly the beating it normally does each year with uh, my concert habit. Of course, they're not cheap, are they? <laughs> um, so how many uh, concerts do you reckon you used to go and see a year then, maybe roughly? Since 2008, I've gone to between 10 and 20 shows a year. And with that many gigs going to every single year, you must have some some favorites. I mean, what's, what's your favorite gigs that you've been to? So by and large, most concerts I've seen have been a really good time. But the ones that really stick out for me are typically the big stadium productions from the true icons of the genre. In 2019, I took my dad to see Paul McCartney at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Lambeau Field is where my beloved Green Bay Packers play. And it's a beautiful stadium. My dad had never seen McCartney before, and he's a big Wings fan. So we went to that show. There's fireworks, 
all kinds of great production, three-hour show, just as much fun as you could possibly have at his concert. That one really sticks out. So 11 years before that, in 2008, on my 20th birthday, I also went with my dad to see Bruce Springsteen at Harley-Davidson's 105th anniversary concert. Again, three-plus-hour show, all sorts of hits, crazy good energy from the crowd, lots of fun. Some of the other shows that really stick out are the Rolling Stones, The Who, Bob Seger was really fun, Tom Petty. I saw Tom Petty's last ever Milwaukee gig. That meant a lot. So at the end of the day, uh, bigger is often better for me. I like the big stadium experience. I know that's not a trendy thing to say, but it's just such great energy in the crowd. And if you can get good seats, it can really be a treat. Look at who's who you're reeling off there. Incredible. Now, with normality coming back, tell us about the, the concert tickets that you've just bought then the, the who what where why when sort of thing so the tickets i just bought are for opening night of the american leg of genesis the last domino tour nice this is going to be in chicago at the united center i've seen shows there before mm-hmm. i've never seen genesis before but daryl Sturmer, their longtime guitarist is a wisconsin native My brother and I have seen him a couple of times in concert doing a Genesis tribute show, which is always great. So it's very exciting for us to get a chance to see the full band in action after so many years of them being off the road. Genesis is a top five band for my brother. I've always loved Genesis. I love Phil Collins' solo career. I even like Mike and the Mechanics. So it's going to be a real good time, and I can't tell you how excited I am for it. But they're not going to be the first show I see this year. I actually have a show that was rescheduled from last year that I had tickets for, and it was someone you just talked to, Jim Peterick and the Ides of March. Ah. I was supposed to see them last year in Milwaukee. That show got postponed because of the pandemic. I believe they've rescheduled it for sometime this September, which is before Genesis. Now, given our state fair and Milwaukee's Summerfest, I suspect I'll get a chance to see some other shows before that as well. But as of right now, officially, I only have tickets for two shows, Jim Peterick and the Ides of March, and then Genesis. Brilliant. I bet you can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. The last show I saw in concert was actually in Las Vegas. I was out there with some friends to watch the NFL playoffs, and I lucked out. David Lee Roth was playing his residency at Mandalay Bay, and I got tickets for one of those shows. The last song I saw performed live before the pandemic was Jump, which was oddly appropriate as it was the last song I saw performed live before Eddie Van Halen passed away. Oh, very poignant indeed. Now, amongst other things, you post photos of gigs that you attend on Twitter, don't you? So what's your Twitter name so people can follow you? Yes, you can find me at Play That Podcast. After 10 plus years of going to concerts regularly, I have a huge collection of photographs I've taken from these shows. I'm not a particularly good photographer, but I have a couple of nice candid shots. And on various rock star birthdays, I like to post a few pictures from that collection. So if you like candid rock and roll concert pictures, you should definitely uh, check that out. Sometimes I post short videos I take at those shows as well. And as we're getting back into seeing concerts later this year, I hope to post some brief on-the-spot reporting concert review clips as well. Oh, also I do a podcast, (laughs) but you can check that all out over at 
Play That Podcast. <laughs> nice little plug there. Yes, definitely check out his podcast. It is called Play That Rock and Roll. Uh, well, excellent. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoy the gig and I get a chance to, to book and go and see many more soon. Absolutely. There are so many big name tours that were supposed to happen last year that are getting the engines running again, and I can't wait to see as many of them as I possibly can. Too right, Joseph. Too Thanks right. so much for having me on, Paul. It's good talking to you. Keep rocking. And a big thanks to Joe for coming on the show. Now it's time to take a look at some of the more interesting stories involving classic rock stars in this week's Classic Rock News with our good friend Tim Peacock. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Tim Peacock. He is, of course, an author and a music journalist as well, and he's here to bring us all the latest rock news. Tim, how's things? Uh, Good evening, Paul. Very well, thanks. Yeah, not so bad at all. Trying to avoid the storms here, but apart from that, not doing too badly, so can't complain too much. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) Doing all right, mate. Must just mention quickly that I'm based in Scotland, the Highlands, and you're actually over in Ireland, aren't you? Absolutely, that's right. Yeah, I'm down in the west, southwest coast, near the southwest coast of Ireland, so... uh, I suppose in some ways we have fairly similar kind of landscapes, don't we, where we live, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's quite quite wild where I am. Yeah, but um, it's a nice part of the world to live, so I can't complain. Lovely. <laughs> it's all good. Now we've got the wish you were here yeah. part out of the way. We'll go on to the uh, rock stories of the week then, shall we? What have you got lined up for us first, yeah. then, Tim? Well, it's amazing you should say wish you were here, Paul, because actually you've, you, you've actually... Uh, You've actually led me into one of the, the, the three stories, so I'll start with that one. Uh, Wish you were here, of course, we think of as one of the uh, great Pink Floyd records from the mid-1970s. And uh, this story is actually about a tribute album with a difference because <clears throat> there's, there's an all-star tribute album to Wish You Were Here, um, which is actually due to be released shortly. Uh, and it features members of Yes, Deep Purple, Dream Theatre, Queensryche, and others perform the album in its entirety. So um, it's definitely one of those that I think, um, you know, most classic rock fans would be well aware of uh, Floyd in their sort of mid-70s mm-hmm. pomp. Um, is that an album you're familiar with yourself, Paul? Yeah, it's my favourite Pink Floyd album, if I'm being honest with you. The Machine and Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, and then obviously the, the Wish You Were Here track itself is, is yeah, I, I love it. It's my favourite Floyd album. Yeah, it, it's certainly, it's absolutely it's a go-to one for me as well. And of course, I'm a big Sid Barrett fan, and obviously a lot of this is them talking about Sid Barrett. It's very poignant, of course, but it's yeah. great. Um, anyway, there's a stunning all-star lineup of rock and metal royalty um, have gathered to recreate this epic masterpiece, um, you know, in, in testament to the original record. It's due out on May 28th uh, via Cleopatra Records. It's called Still Wish You Were Here and includes uh, what well, it's described as awe-inspiring performances from... Well, it does feature Rick Wakeman, um, Ian Pace from uh, Deep Purple, oh, yeah. and Todd Rundgren, um, ex-Queen's Rice vocalist Jeff Tate, uh, Joe Satriani, of course, um, who everyone will know on Vintage Rock Pod. Dream Sash, Theater, yeah. absolutely. Dream Theater vocalist James Labrie, um, super bass guitar player Bootsy Collins, who I once shared a minibus with. That is absolutely true. <laughs> um, Rats Cabies from The Damned and uh, Jar Wobble oh. from Public Image Limited. So it's quite a lineup of quite a lineup of folk actually, and quite a disparate number of artists there anyway so yeah anyway may 28th that's out paul and it's called still wish you were here it's available in cd and apparently a beautiful six panel deluxe digipack 
and there's also a gatefold vinyl version of it. I don't know the prices, but I imagine if you check out on Amazon, it'll be it'll be available for pre-order now. Perfect, sounds good. I'll add that to my list of things I have to check out because it does sound like a really really good uh, list of um, guys that are involved in that as well. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, what have you got left next for us then, Tim? Right, Paul. Okay. Well, unfortunately, sadly, the next one's a bit of a sad story because we've got a death and death next, unfortunately. Um, a few days ago now, this one occurred. Uh, Judas Priest's original drummer, John Hinch, died at the age of 73. Um, he played alongside originally alongside Rob Halford in a band called Hiroshima before Priest got started um, mm-hmm. in the early 70s. He passed away on April the 29th. Apparently, he was only taken ill the previous day, so I can't definitively give you a cause of death. Um, but anyway, sadly, he's, he, he passed away. Um, Rob Halford uh, did actually uh, pay tribute to him on Instagram, shared a, a photo of the drummer alongside him with just the caption RIP, and he said, um, John's style was strong, direct, and unique, uh, and I'll be playing Rockerola today because he was um, – John Hinch played on Priest's debut album Rockerola from 1974. And so, yeah, he led, then left the band after that. Um, but apparently Rob was remained friends with him. Also, former Priest guitarist Ken Downing, K.K. Downing, has also paid tribute to John Hinch, saying, I'm extremely saddened to hear John's passed away. He played his part so well in the creation and the history of Judas Priest. Uh, there are many memories of crazy and fun times we all shared together. John was always so dependable and did everything but to the best of his ability, including his drumming. Um Initial, after he left Priest, actually, also, he went on to work in a career in management, so he stayed in the industry, and uh, he worked with Uli John Roth from the Scorpions, and, of course, we've had Klaus Mayner on the um, uh, Vintage Rock Pod already, so there you go. So, yeah, sadly, it's a sad day for Judas Priest fans there. He was 73, John Hinch, anyway, so RIP indeed. And finally tonight, uh, Paul, we have from something entirely different. Um, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden is to write co-write a screenplay centered around a legendary gig he played in Sarajevo in 1994 at the heart of the Bosnian War. Um, under the, I mean, of course, in the mid 90s, obviously Sarajevo was in the headlines all all the time for often the well wrong reasons, really, because it was a particularly awful time for the country and the country's history there. Um, but anyway, under the protection of the United Nations soldiers, Dickinson and his band at the time, Skunk Works, it wasn't Iron Maiden, were smuggled into the besieged city in December 1994, where they played a concert with, which offered local metal fans a bl- brief glimpse of, well, what they called normality, if you like, in the midst of daily shootings and yeah. bombings. And the, the performance was documented, uh, was documented in the 2016 doc Scream for Me, Sarajevo. Um, but apparently Dickinson is now going to be working alongside filmmaker and screenwriter Sasha Javasai, I think I hope that's my pronunciation is correct there, who directed the cult classic documentary Anvil about the, the hard rock band Anvil. Uh, so he's going to write a narrative screenplay based on the show. Sounds, I must say, it does sound pretty interesting. Um, Bruce says as, as follows about it, the few incredible days I spent in Sarajevo with my solo band pre-Christmas 1994 were some of the most intense of my life. Crafting a story to bring the emotions, madness, tragedy and triumph to the screen is no easy task. Uh, my own journey was as, as a long-haired 
heavy metal singer driving through firefights into a city that had been under siege longer than Stalingrad. Mine was not, of course, the only journey taken on the day, and afterwards at home in London, I left behind in Sarajevo, travelling companions on the road to in uh, the road of life. The movie is actually dedicated to their story, not not mine. So it certainly sounds like it's going to be emotive. I don't have anything like a release date for this because he's only actually going to embark on writing this shortly, apparently. Uh, but it does sound like it could be quite interesting and certainly different anyway, I must admit. So, yeah, that's, yeah. One, to, that's one to watch out for. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what's happening in the news Absolutely. this week. Paul. He's a man of many talents, isn't he, our Bruce? He certainly is. Um, he's back in the fold now. And, of course, he's well known for his flying activities as well, isn't he? So... Um yeah, absolutely. You never know quite what he's going to get up to next, really. But that's what we like with our classic rockers, isn't it? We don't want anyone to do anything normal after all. So, yeah, that's what that's where we're going this week, Paul. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Tim. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, as always. You're very welcome, Paul. Thanks very much. Fantastic stuff from Tim, as always. Uh, a quick shout-out to say, don't forget to check out the big interviews that are released every Monday. There's some huge names on the list already, with next week's episode featuring another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, this time from California who played the legendary Woodstock Festival in 1969. It's a great chat not to be missed and you'll get it this Monday on episode 28. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels as well. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Give us a like and a follow on there as well. Much appreciated. And that's pretty much it for this week's Vintage Rock Pod Side 2. I hope you enjoyed it. Another Side 2 episode will be released every Friday. And on next week's show, I've got a great chat with an author of a new book, spilling some stories on some of the biggest names in rock. And there'll be plenty of other stuff on there as well. So until the next episode, then, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock music, just tell them my music is better than yours. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.